Well, hello, ACAC congregation. This is Pastor Allen. And with me being on sabbatical during this month of August, I thought I would take the privilege of introducing our guest speakers to you for the weekend. And this weekend is a very special person who probably is not a stranger to so many of you, and that is Pastor Ron Morrison. And Pastor Ron is the pastor at Hope Alliance Bible Church in Cleveland, Ohio. He is the founding and senior pastor there. And to give you a little bit of his bio, he has been a pastor for years on end. In fact, he also was a part of the Christian and Missionary Alliance Board of Directors for 16 years. And I had the privilege of getting to know him and his wife, Anita, at General Council. In fact, that's where we met for the first time, shared coffee together for about an hour. And I was just blown away by his heart in his spirit, from his knowledge and wisdom. And I look forward to gathering together with him and Anita and my wife and I. And so would you give Pastor Ron a warm welcome this morning as he brings to us the word. It's a joy to be back here in Pittsburgh. And I was really wrestling with what to, to wear on, on Saturday evening. And I, I really wanted to wear this. Uh, but I wore orange about 10 years ago, and Pastor Blaine hasn't forgiven me yet. <clears throat> but then it dawned on me, I said, all these years I've been coming down here wearing the colors of the losing football team, so why not just keep that tradition going? So, <clears throat> Amen. <laughs> Tonight I want to share from 1 Corinthians chapter 4 about how to endure the court of public opinion. Let's bow our hearts before the Lord. Father, thank you for this joyous privilege I have to be with my ACAC family, Lord. We, uh, we pray that the Spirit of God would now just quiet our hearts, help us to hear uh, what you want us to receive. This night I pray that you would tailor a message from the same passage for every individual so that each of us can bring forth a Christ-honoring response and be encouraged uh, to run our race well all the way to the finish line. We'll thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen. As servants of the Lord Jesus Christ and followers of him, we all have a job to do, whether we're called to professional, quote-unquote, ministry or not. We all have a job to do. We all have a race to run. And there's nothing more embarrassing than seeing a runner slow down before the finish line thinking that they've got the race won and then have somebody pass them up. Have you seen that recently? This guy is on his last lap and he's waving to the crowd. He's so sure nobody can catch him. And then somebody did. It's also disheartening to see so many people not run their race well, almost give up too soon because they feel the challenges are are overwhelming. I, I saw somewhere that almost half of the pastors who are starting nowadays are not going to make it those first 10 years. Very few that start off in ministry finish and retire as a, as a minister of the gospel. So we, and a lot of times they're letting the opinions of others stop them from running their race all the way to the finish line. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul's going to give us some advice about not letting anything especially the judgments of others, hinder us from finishing our race well. In the Word of God, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, 
Starting at verse 1, he says, This is how one should regard us, as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. But with me, it's a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I don't even judge myself. For I'm not aware of anything against myself, but I'm not thereby acquitted. It's the Lord who judges me. Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Then each one will receive his praise, his commendation from the Lord. There's been a, a faction in the church at Corinth. The, they had different wonderful godly leaders, but, but sadly some of them were becoming divisive about who had baptized them and who had discipled them. Some were saying, I'm, I was baptized by Paul, and others, I was baptized by Apollos and, and Peter and, and Pastor Rock and Pastor... Oh, I'm sorry, wrong translation. Um, but the point is, there were, there were factions in the church based upon who they felt was the better leader. And so, of course, there's another group who say, well, we only follow Jesus. But they were evaluating and criticizing, and, and in so doing, they were hindering the ministry of some. And, and so Paul has to set some things in order. He says, first of all, we're, we're all in the same boat. He said, remind yourself daily that you are a slave of Jesus Christ, and therefore, you're equal to every other person who serves him. He said, regard us as as servants of Christ. He, he uses a term that is the kind of servant they say was a, an, an under rower on a slave ship where, where their job is to row at the direction of the master and keep their eyes focused on the master. And so he's saying, look at us that way. We're all slaves of, of Jesus Christ. We're following his direction. And if you know that you're a slave of Christ, you really shouldn't ever have to struggle with your identity or, or your value or be jealous of someone else. We're all equally servants, slaves of God. That's how he says, I want you to regard us as leaders. That's how we should regard one another as followers. But then he uses a different word. He says, not only are we slaves of Christ, but we are stewards of the mysteries of God. Now, a steward, as you know, is, is someone who was given a lot of authority, a lot of responsibility. In contrast to the slave who's being watched almost every moment, the steward had a lot of liberty. He, he had discretion. He could do a lot of things without that close daily supervision of the one who really owned the goods. And so he, he said, we are stewards. Of what? Of the mysteries of God. A mystery on a religious level in that day was something sacred that was hidden that not everyone could see. But when they talk about a biblical mystery, they're typically talking about something that was somewhat concealed in the Old Testament, but now revealed clearly in the New. And Paul is saying, as slaves of God, as stewards, we have been entrusted to reveal the mysteries of God. We've been entrusted with the gospel. We've been 
entrusted to tell people about the kingdom that is going to be manifested on earth. Another mystery that they didn't clearly understand in the Old Testament was that there was going to be a time when Jew and Gentile were all going to be equal in the body of Christ and that God himself was going to permanently indwell every human being. That was a mystery that wasn't clearly revealed before. And so we know there are a lot of biblical mysteries about the incarnation and the Trinity and the, and the resurrection. And he said, we alone have been entrusted to reveal those treasures to the world. And a lot of people don't understand how valuable that treasure is. Ever have a child come to you with something they've picked up and they think it's valuable and you know it really isn't much of a treasure? To them it is. That's how the world is treating some of us with this gospel message. They, they think what we're trying to share with them really isn't all that valuable. But it's the one thing they have to know, have to believe, and have to receive. We're stewards of the mysteries of God. Well, what does that require, Paul? Look at verse 2. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. It's not an option. It's an absolute requirement. If you are a steward of the mysteries of God, you have to be faithful. Let me pose a question. If you, if you cheat on your spouse once a year, do you consider yourself faithful? Of course not. Absolutely, every time we stand before people and share this treasure, we have to be faithful in public and in private. It's not an option. It's mandatory. It's required in stewards that a person be found faithful. But if you've read the Bible, if you've read the letter to the church at Corinth, you know there are a lot of people who are telling Paul, well, we don't think what you're doing is acceptable. We don't think it's good enough. You know why a lot of people leave ministry? Because of those kinds of criticisms about someone saying what you're doing doesn't meet my standards. And if you take that to heart, you may lose your race. And so Paul had a word to this church that he had invested so heavily in. Look at the next verse. But with me, verse 3, it is a... He didn't just say a small thing. He said it's a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. It's a small thing, he said. I, I know you're talking about me, he said, but I want you to understand it's a very small thing the way you're judging me and saying you don't approve of my ministry. Now, all of us want to be accepted, and we love the approval of one another, but we have to understand that the court of public opinion does not have the final word on our ministry. We live in a day wherein we've been conditioned to believe that the court of public opinion is judge and jury when it speaks about someone or something. But Paul said, no, your, your opinion of what I'm doing right or wrong isn't going to stop me. You're going to get criticized if you're being faithful to the gospel. Don't let those opinions stop you from doing what God has told you to do. Have you allowed your spiritual race to be hindered by what people say about you? 
Have you noticed that saints love to criticize? Well, maybe not here at ACAC, but other churches I've been around. When disagreements arise, saints have become vicious with one another. I can't tell you how many pastors I've listened to who who are heartbroken about the, the way their congregations are becoming divided over things that aren't really kingdom matters, fighting over political party issues and, and masks and, and vaccines and, and other kinds of things that, okay, everybody has an opinion, but you're, you're going to divide your church over that? We've we got to do better than that. Are you allowing your spiritual race to be hindered because somebody has an opinion that differs from yours? Paul said, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. Your translation may say the day of man. This is the day of man. This is the day where people think, well, if we have a survey and 80% of the people say this is how it is, then you should change your mind. Nobody's going to change God's definitions about anything. God had a plan for every human being before they were ever placed in their mother's womb. And it breaks my heart that we've got so many who don't seem to understand that God decided if you were going to be a man or a woman. I shared with our congregation in in the neighborhood I grew up in, in the generation I grew up in, we never had those kind of problems. Because we had adults around us, if you ever did anything, boy, you better stop it. Boy, you better. I knew I was a boy my whole life growing up. (laughs) And so we can't let society come along and say we can change these definitions. It's not a matter of how many people vote against it. It's what does God say about it. Paul said, I'm not going to let your opinions stop me or hinder me from running my race. But then he went on to say, as a matter of fact, I don't even judge myself. Now that's a tough one. Because most of us, how do I say this politely, have an exalted opinion about ourselves and our own ministries. But Paul is saying, I'm not even going to judge myself on this one. I I realize that public opinion isn't the final word, and my own self-evaluation isn't the final word. But let me say something quickly about judgment. You may be aware that the Bible has different words that we all, um, in Greek that we all translate as judge in our translations. And it's critically important to recognize the various kinds of judgment mentioned in Scripture so we can make good decisions. See, it's one thing to judge someone and condemn them, and we don't know their heart intention or their motives. We can't make that kind of judgment, and it'd be a different Greek word for that. But there are other places where the Bible tells us clearly that we are supposed to judge. Believers must judge, must evaluate, must examine, must investigate, must discern between right and wrong according to Scripture. That's why Jesus said, don't judge according to appearance, but judge righteously in John 7, 24. And in the next chapter, in 1 Corinthians 5, when Paul hears about 
a man having a sexual relationship with his own stepmother in the church at Corinth. He said, I don't even have to be there. I'm judging that long distance. That's wrong. That's sin. Put them out. We are the only ones who really have the Holy Spirit given capacity to make those kind of judgments. We have to make those kind of judgments. The danger is when we're judging and we don't know motive and we're judging ourselves telling ourselves we're doing everything right it's everybody else who's wrong that's dangerous that's so very dangerous so even though you can have a good conscience about what you're doing like Paul said he he said I'm I'm not going to let that be the final determinant The court of public opinion will continue to convict believers of being narrow-minded and bigoted and unloving. Doesn't that hurt? When you love someone and you're trying to point out biblically that what they're doing is wrong and it's sinful and they say you are bigoted, you are unloving. You're narrow-minded. No, we're not narrow-minded, we're single-minded. We are singularly focused on God and his word and his kingdom, and that singular focus opens us up to everything he wants us to learn. I'm not narrow-minded, I'm single-minded. Big difference. We need to know what scripture teaches us about the hot-button issues of our day. Because as we say, the standards of professing Christians are not necessarily Christian standards. Some professing Christians are more loyal to their country and their political party than they are to King Jesus and his kingdom. We have to do better than that. We have to know what the Bible says about some of these issues. Do we have to remind one another that there's one human race? And therefore racism has to be a social construct that was designed to gain advantage over other ethnicities? The Bible talks about one race. You know, there's a difference between biblical justice and and social justice. And as a Christian, I have to take a stand on biblical justice. There's some social justice issues that may not be biblical, but God is a God of justice. I need to know what the word says about those things. God says to welcome the stranger. We can disagree about how they're handling all these policies and immigration and border. We can disagree, and there's a lot of things that need to be changed, but let's not forget these are human beings, and they need to be loved, and they need to be treated with dignity while we're trying to figure out the rest of the things that are broken. Be careful that you don't trust your own judgment and conscience on all spiritual matters. We are so very capable of deceiving our own selves into thinking we're making good judgments about every issue in our own ministry efforts. Remember what Jeremiah said in Jeremiah chapter 17 where he he talked about blessed is the man that that trusts in in the Lord and cursed is the man who, who doesn't. And when we read that, we all say, I know I'm that blessed man. I I know I trust in the Lord. And then the next verse says, the heart is deceitful above all things and incurably wicked. Who can know it? Do you realize that your heart will deceive you in ways that Satan himself does not? Be careful. 
Just because we have a clear conscience, which is a wonderful thing, that's not the insurance that settles all matters. And so that's why he said, even though I can minister and I'm not intentionally doing anything wrong and I'm not conscious of doing anything wrong, the one who really knows all is the Lord. And that's why he says, verse five, verse four, therefore do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Then each one will receive his commendation from the Lord. Don't judge anything before the time. He says, until the Lord comes. And oh, by the way, he is coming. Amen? He's the righteous judge. He, he's coming back. He's, he's going to reward those who've been faithful. And so my, my word is don't quit too soon. But don't celebrate too soon. Doesn't it hurt every time you pick up the paper and you read about another Christian leader who has fallen? It reached so-called celebrity status and, and, and they failed. They, they started well, but they didn't, they didn't finish well. They celebrated too soon. We want to finish well. And, and so we have to be careful. Don't quit too soon, but don't celebrate too soon. Paul says, don't pronounce judgment before the time. Wait till the Lord comes. He's going to bring to light the things that are now hidden in darkness. He's going to expose the the motives that none of us can see. The reason why there's so many people who are turned off to church because of something that happened in church, there were people standing before them saying the right things with a hidden agenda. And they got their eyes off of Christ onto the leader and it broke their heart and they ran away from church and in so doing ran away from Jesus and so we have to get them to get their eyes back on the Lord. He said the Lord's going to expose the hidden issues of the heart, the purposes, the motives, the intentions. Then each one will receive his commendation from the Lord. Can you imagine hearing words of praise from the Lord himself? Endure the criticism. Embrace the compliments. But don't let either of them, don't let either of them go to your head and your heart in such a way that it hinders you from running your race. Keep running your race. Keep doing your job until the Lord gives you permission to stop. There are three courts that pass judgment on us. Court of public opinion, which seems to be the court that so many people are paying attention to today. Don't let that stop you. Then the court of self-evaluation that so many of us love because we're judge and jury and we pronounce ourselves innocent all the time. (laughs) Don't let that stop you. Don't let your own opinion of yourself be the last word on what you say and do. Keep running your race because that third court, the one that really matters, the one who's 
verdict is final and without appeal is the court of the Lord. Paul had mentioned in chapter 3 about us standing before the judgment seat of Christ where all that we really were will be exposed and that's when each of us who's earned rewards will receive them. Can you imagine going into the courtroom and actually having the judge himself praise you? Don't miss that. Not, not just go in to see if you're going to be judged innocent or acquitted or hear the words not guilty, but have the judge himself praise you. That's pretty good. But if we run our race well, if we don't let the court of public opinion stop us, if we don't let our own evaluation of ourselves stop us, and let the Spirit of God work through us at every opportunity and be faithful stewards and slaves to the Master, we, soon and very soon, can stand before our Lord and hear him praise us for a job well done. Don't you want that? It can be yours. Be faithful. Father, thank you for this reminder that we need to run our race well. I pray, Lord, for those under the sound of my voice who've let uh, the criticisms of others hinder them from being diligent in the call that you've given them. And I pray, Lord, for those who uh, have deceived themselves into thinking that all that they say and do is right and everyone else is wrong. I pray, Lord, that the Spirit of God would just open eyes and hearts and that we would not fall victim to deception. Lord, help us keep our eyes on you. Help us to run our race well. Help us to finish well. Help us to serve you faithfully as you work in us and through us. Lord, help us be about the king's business and make sure that uh, we're fighting for truth. Uh, We're fighting for the unity of the spirit that you've made. Help us do it, Lord, in peace. Help us work together in these days that are so evil. Help us be on a rescue mission, Lord. The time is short. The king is coming. Help us be about your business. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Bless you.